Hey everybody, you're listening to Anecdotal Marketing, the podcast where we talk about old media, new media, and everything in between, and there is a whole lot of things in between that uh, we have to talk about. I'm your host, Jeff Fluckager. And last week, we talked about some of the things that are irritating with car dealerships. And got a little bit more to say about car dealerships today. And again, I realize I'm generalizing. This isn't every car dealership, so I will apologize in advance for that. But let's be honest, it is very typical, those experiences that we talked about last week. Now, what I want to talk about today is the pre-sales process with car dealerships, their business development centers, how they handle uh, incoming leads and so forth. But before I get to that, this is a this is like mind blowing to car dealerships out there. But believe it or not, people don't want to buy cars from people. Seriously, most people don't want to deal with people. It's the last thing they want to do. That's why you have services like Carvana. Carvana is where you basically research, buy your car online. They deliver the car to you, give you the keys. You're all set. There's none of that, hey, let's put nitrogen in your tires and charge you more money for it. Let's spray an undercoating on your car and upsell you on this and that and the other thing. You know, I understand you want to make more money, but you also got to understand, sometimes people just want to buy a car, right? Sometimes it's okay to let people ask for those add-on services. So I find a lot of times asking questions at a dealership or of someone at a dealership is like going to Best Buy and asking one of their associates about a product. They grab the box off the shelf and they try to find the answer. I've had it happen tons of times. I ask a question, the person walks over, they grab the box, they're literally looking at all the sides of the box trying to find the answer to the question that I have. Well, the reason that I ask you is because I'm capable of looking at the box. I'm capable of researching it online. I don't need you as the paid employee to go and do the same thing that I can do on my own, which says a lot, honestly, about different retailers. So not just, you know, car dealers, but if all you're going to do is what I can already do on my own, I really don't need you, right? So I filled out a form the other day to get a price on a vehicle. And I should have known better, because I'm experienced in this. Um, but it's been a while, I guess, since I've done it. So I fill out a really quick form with my info, basically to try and get to the next screen, you know, on the website to see what the actual price is. Two minutes later, I start getting texts and calls and emails from dealers. Now, I know how the game is played. I worked at a dealership. Everybody wants my business. I get it. But put yourself in the customer's shoes for a moment. First of all, everybody thinks it's great that they can get my info and sell it to other dealerships. It's not great. It's creepy. And if I want to speak to an actual person, I will ask or I will make the call myself. It's pretty easy to set up a lead form on a website giving people the option for a phone call, right? This is one of many reasons why people hate capital H-A-T-E dealerships. They're like ducks. When you give a duck a breadcrumb, they don't take it and walk away. 
they keep coming back to you for more. So what I'm trying to say here is they don't leave you alone. <laughs> Again, from my last podcast, I think I mentioned if you exude professionalism, a clean website, a clean showroom, no gimmicks, professionalism, I will come to you. I know it's not in their nature, but dealerships really need to be more like an Apple store. If you have an amazing product, knowledgeable staff, and provide added value, I will come to you, and only you. I'll come back to you for service. You will earn an amazing reputation. So I challenge you to be more like Apple, and less like Crazy Eddie's Slick Deals Car Emporium. Okay? I know it's tough, because it's a whole big culture shift. But you're going to find out in the long run, it's going to be a lot more beneficial. Next thing I want to talk about is masks. So the jury apparently is still out on whether you should wear masks or whether you should not wear masks. Um, where I live, there's a couple retailers in particular, um, two of which, uh, one is Menards, they're a home improvement store, and then Great Clips, right? They require that you wear a mask of some kind um, when you're in their store or in their, in their um, haircutting salon, right? But here's the really stupid thing. If you don't have a mask, they don't give you one for free. Now, I'm a cheap guy, I'll be honest. But if you are a retailer and you're requiring someone to wear a mask and you're saying, hey, if you don't have one, that's okay. We can sell you one for a dollar. Give me a break. Again, you don't, you don't ask me to help pay for your air conditioning or, you know, pay to keep the lights on as a donation, right? I understand we have this huge pandemic and masks and supplies and hand sanitizer. It's hard to come by and it's expensive. But again, the fact that you're open for business is great, by the way. But you're open for business. I'm coming into your location. I'm probably going to spend a little bit of money. The least you can do is say, oh, you know what? We need you to we need you to wear a mask. If you have a mask, if you could put it on, if you forgot it at home or whatever, that's fine. We have some complimentary masks right here. Seriously. It's ridiculous to charge somebody for that. It's like charging for toilet paper. Can I use your restroom? Yeah, you can, but if you want to use the toilet paper, you got to put in a quarter. <laughs> I mean, come on. Next thing I want to talk about, which, again, is more of a customer service-related thing, but again, customer service and marketing, sales, service, all these different things are intertwined and have a lot to do with one another. Uh, escalating phone calls I want to talk about. I'm sure we've all had this where we call someplace. It might be a call center, and we've got an issue, right? And we need to talk to a supervisor or a manager maybe. I hate it when somebody transfers the call and they don't tell the supervisor or the manager anything about why I'm calling. You know, you just spent five or ten minutes, hopefully not too much longer, explaining your situation, your frustration to the person who answers the phone. And for them to not do some kind of uh, soft handoff or transition to the manager or supervisor is frustrating beyond belief. So 
if you answer the phone, if you're the first one who answers the phone, I'm talking to you right now, and somebody asks to speak to your supervisor or manager, do not just send them to your supervisor or manager without telling your supervisor or manager what the person calling is calling about, what their frustration is, what the problem is. Because not only are you going to help the customer, but you're going to help your supervisor or manager handle the situation a lot better because it makes them look stupid. I used to work with this one guy, and this is actually <laughs> the opposite issue, is uh, I'd have a call. I would explain everything to him real quickly. I'd say, hey, Chris, I've got a customer who has this situation, and they want to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. Every time I did this, he'd say, hello, this is Chris. What can I help you with? And I just it frustrated the heck out of me because it's just so basic to do that. And it's actually so easy to just listen and realize that, you know, somebody's been talking to somebody else for a few minutes. The least you can do is take a few moments to understand what's going on before you get in front of that person. It's just common sense. And uh, again, good customer service. So another friendly tip for you. And since I am just on a roll with topics today, uh, the last topic I'm going to get into, and this does have to do with marketing, again, kind of in the retail space, is a lot of stores, specifically electronic stores, so like a Best Buy or stores that have an electronics department, they have demos, right? They have demo areas. So you'll have like a speaker, a Bluetooth speaker maybe. Press the button to hear the sound or press the button to, you know, listen to the different headphones, which it's probably not going to be around much longer. <laughs> but things like that, you, you press the button for the demo. And again, back to Best Buy, sorry Best Buy, they always were notorious in my mind for being a place that had demos that were broken. And if you're going to go through the time and the effort and expense of putting out a product demo on a shelf, make sure it works. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that at Best Buy, Walmart, Sam's Club, Target, you know, pick any number of retailers where there's a special demo for you to check out the item so you can decide, you can get a step closer to deciding whether or not it's for you or you want to buy it. And it doesn't work. And, you know, you come back a week later, still doesn't work. Come back a month later, still doesn't work. Give me a break. That shelf space is valuable. And if you're going to go through the effort of having a product demonstration, it should definitely work. So just a tip, again, if that's you, if you've experienced that in your location, make a fuss, get it fixed. Because it's really unprofessional, annoying, not cool. Anyway, this has been Anecdotal Marketing I hope you have a great, amazing week, and I thank you so much for listening.